0: pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. There are moments in life when everything changes. There are those moments when something happens and nothing will ever be the same again. Ruth didn't belong to anyone. That may mean very different things to you depending on how you look at it or how you hear that. You might think, how lonely. Ruth didn't belong to anyone. How difficult it must have been not to have a spouse, a family, community, a home. You might think, how free she must have been. Ruth didn't belong to anybody. Ruth was free of ties to husband or father. You see, in that time and place, women were little more than property, and belonging to someone was about who you were controlled by. Belonging wasn't about who cared for you or loved you. So you might think, how free she must have been. Or you might think, Ruth didn't belong to anybody. And perhaps you feel a chill down your spine as you realize how dangerous that was. In that time and place, a woman relied upon men for protection, for sustenance, for survival. Everything about a woman's place in the culture, in the community, was dependent on the man she was tied to. But Ruth didn't belong to anybody. No sooner has Ruth's story begun than we find Ruth belonging to nobody. At the beginning of the book of Ruth, Naomi's husband has just died. Her two sons get married to two women, Ruth and Orpah. Then Naomi's sons die, too, leaving three widows. This is one of those moments when everything changes. Nothing will ever be the same again. Ruth has long since left her father's house, and now her husband is dead. She isn't alone, however. She shares her situation with her mother in law, Naomi, and her sister in law, Orpah. Three women together at a crossroads in their lives, having lost everything that anchored them, facing a decision what would they do? As widows, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah all know that their situations are precarious. Each woman is faced with a choice what to do now, where to go. Naomi chooses first and decides to return to her native land, to Bethlehem in Judah. She suggests that her daughters-in-law leave her, and Orpah agrees. Orpah sets off in another direction, also headed for her home and the family of her birth. But Ruth decides to follow Naomi, which means following Naomi into a land where Ruth will be a foreigner. And here we find the most well-known passage from the book, this beautiful pledge that Ruth makes to her mother-in-law. And treat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if even death parts me from you. Ruth's pledge to Naomi is so beautiful that today we use it in weddings. I'm sure you've heard it. But as lovely as it sounds, Ruth's story is not so much about devotion between Ruth and Naomi as it is about the hard, cold facts of survival, and particularly the facts of survival for a woman who's out of place in a foreign land without a man to belong to. From the perspective of survival, Ruth made an odd choice indeed. So what was Ruth thinking? If being a widow was bad, then being a widow and a foreigner in a strange land was doubly bad. Naomi understood this and decided to return home. Orpah understood this and decided to return home. They were the sensible ones. What was Ruth thinking? She must have known that she was taking a risk, putting herself in the position of foreigner and outsider. She must have known that made her vulnerable. And yet she set out following Naomi, with words of devotion. Was she brave? Was she foolish? We don't know much about Ruth's faith. The only mention Ruth makes of God is in her pledge that Naomi's God will be Ruth's God. But Ruth made a bold choice to strike out in a new direction. She at least had faith in the future, had some faith in the hope of a new life— and a willingness to trust that Naomi's path and Naomi's God might offer a way for Ruth as well. As Ruth's story continues on, we follow Ruth and Naomi as they settle in, back in Naomi's homeland. There we meet Boaz. Boaz is a landowner, he's well off, an upright member of the community. His life shows that he is familiar with God's covenant with Israel understands how he is supposed to uphold that covenant. There's one thing we can count on when reading the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. We can take for granted the understanding in that context that Israel is the home of God's chosen people. Throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, we encounter stories of harmony when God's covenant with the people is upheld, and tragedy when God's people break the covenant— Boaz welcomed the foreigner Ruth to glean in his fields. She supports herself and Naomi by doing this. Boaz acted with great generosity, but this wasn't a sign just of his own personal generosity. He was bound by the sacred covenant of his community, the law of his society, to allow anyone to glean, even the foreigner, and especially the poor, Boaz knows Ruth's story, and he blesses her in the name of God, praising her for all she's done for Naomi. So Ruth, the foreigner, the Moabite woman, enters the covenant community of Israel. Did I say that Ruth belongs to no one? Of course she belongs to God. The triumph of this story is that the insular people of Israel, who really believed they were God's only people, do open their arms to an outsider. When we read this as a story about Ruth, we have a heartwarming story about a resourceful woman and a community that welcomes her. But when we read this as a story about community and covenant with God, there's so much more to it. This story is about the hope that lies in the promise of the covenant community, which means that it's about you and me and the covenants we make with God. It's not so much about Ruth's faith, which we know very little about. This is about our faith, as we lift up this story about the outsider being taken in and the poor one being provided for. We are called to be God's covenant people. We are called by one who spent his life bringing the outsider in, who taught us that we all belong to God, no matter what human communities may have rejected us. I think about homeless families I see, I think about the role of the church, and I think about the harsh realities of our society, and it makes me wonder, how do we fulfill the covenant as the community of Bethlehem did those centuries ago? We see need all around us. We know folks who are homeless. We know folks who are hungry. These people are part of our community here in Davis. Sometimes seeing the needs for food and shelter and other needs I can't always even identify exhausts me. It can be overwhelming. Every story like this reminds me of problems in our community and our world that are so big and complicated that I can feel helpless in the face of them, and I know far too little about what to do about it. Did Boaz ever feel, I wonder, overwhelmed by those people who Crossed over into Israel, hoping to live better in Israel's time of plentiful harvest? Did Boaz question the covenant when he looked out on fields of gleaners who depended on these edges not picked clean by his own harvesters? Or did he simply know that it was right that they come to him, right that he provide for them, right that he honor the integrity of that foreign woman? Every person belongs to God. The vision of being a covenant people is that we might make a place for all those who leave behind familiar places in order to seek new life. The vision of the covenant in Ruth and for us is that the poor will be provided for. The call that Jesus sets before us is that we welcome the stranger, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. God's covenant spans all of human history, and the keeping of the covenant Rest in our hands. Let's walk with God on this covenant path so that all of God's children may know they belong, may be provided for. Amen.